We bring you the business of recovery because those struggling with addiction need you to be here tomorrow as well as today. Thank you for joining me here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, owner of Circle Social Inc., a strategic marketing growth and consulting firm within the addiction treatment behavioral health space. Today, we are speaking with TJ Ferris. TJ Ferris is the CEO of The Revenue Solution, and he's going to share with us some ways to make sure that you're not leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table, um, as many treatment centers are. But before we get into that, I want to have a word from our sponsors, the wonderful Stone Ridge Partners. Stone Ridge Partners is a boutique M&A advisory firm that exclusively works with home health, hospice, and behavioral health companies. Stone Ridge was founded 20 years ago and closes the most deals in the lower middle market in this space. Please reach out to us via our website or jacob at stoneridgepartners.com if we can be a resource to your treatment center. We'd love to help you in any way we can. Thanks. Jacob and his team over there is fantastic. If you need help with buying or selling your treatment center, I highly recommend you reach out to them. Okay, so we're talking with TJ today with a very important issue that is quite strange, a bit of an anomaly within the healthcare space, but patient pay, patient responsibility, deductibles, et cetera. So within healthcare, you would never ever expect to go into a hospital or go into a doctor's office and not have to pay your deductible or not have to pay your copay. Um, in fact, you often can't see the doctor until that patient pay responsibility portion is covered. This is because it's illegal not to collect that money and insurance companies can come in and issue a audit, which then turns into a clawback of literally millions of dollars. So there are three treatment centers we've seen just in the past six months that have been audited uh, with about over $15 million clawed back, which means that they're going to close or they're going to scramble to find that capital to stay in existence. So while you might be able to get by with not doing it and it helps you, you think, because you're getting more patients in the treatment, this is usually not the case because you will eventually get audited and then your business isn't going to be there and you're not going to be able to help anyone. So TJ shares a lot of really useful information for us on how to do this the right way to make sure that you're understanding patients' financial um, difficulties and ways to help them and be respectful while you're doing that, but also ensuring that they're able to get the treatment that they need Additionally, it helps your business stay viable. So we have a number of clients that are very good at collecting the cash pay components of all aspects of patient responsibility, and they are much more profitable um, than clients that struggle with this aspect. So TJ's company, The Revolution Solution, helps treatment centers that aren't so good at it make sure that they're doing a good job and collect those patient responsibilities for liability, for compliance, for revenue, and to make sure you're doing the right thing by the patient. So great to have TJ on. With that, let's jump into the conversation. First, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, your company? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is TJ Ferris. I'm the president and founder of The Revenue Solution. Um, our company focuses on uh, helping treatment centers collect patient responsibility, uh, deductibles, co-pays, out-of-pockets, uh, paid-to-patient reimbursements, um, unpaid travel expenses. Uh, we can also help with uh, private pay or, or self-pay client extensions as well. Um, so I uh, got started. I'm originally from Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts, um, live in South Florida, moved down here about 15 years ago, um, and got started in the field um, a few years a few years thereafter, um, working at a pretty one of one of the larger treatment centers, at, at least at that time in the country down here. Um, so I've worked in in several different uh, aspects of the of the uh, you know the treatment process. Um, and then um, I was helping with some call center performance when I kind of stumbled upon this center attempting to collect patient responsibility, but a really broken process. Um, so I, I kind of took that over. Um, I, I knew that it had legs, but it had to be done in a, in a careful, delicate manner. Um, so I worked out some scripted calls and um, almost immediately had tremendous success with it. Um, we turned a company that was never even um, collecting over $2 million in patient responsibility uh, to exceeding over $10 million per year while they were at their peak, um, bringing in uh, usually about 300 or so um, admissions per month. So what I really wanted to have you on is, I mean, we're in treatment centers all the time, right? I mean, even right now, we're in a facility where they are not collecting patient responsibility, you know, and so you have legal issues there, you have very high risk liability issues there. Um, I mean, we've had clients that had, I mean, BCBS just came in and clawed back 2.5 million, right, from a client because they weren't collecting patient responsibility. So even if there's not a legal concern in the state that you're in, there is a very, very serious concern around the insurance companies doing an audit and then clawing back when you haven't been collecting your portion. So can you talk a little bit about that risk first and, and what the realities are there? Yeah, it's uh, it's a tremendous risk for a treatment center to be taken in, in this day and age. Um, you know, it's it's always kind of been the way of this industry that, uh, at least for you know, and until the last few years, insurance reimbursements were, uh, for lack of a better word, fat enough that um, you know, treatment centers were not concerned with collecting patient responsibility. Um, some of them back then and, and still to this day were just blatantly breaking the law, either lying to patients, telling them that they didn't have patient responsibility, that they would waive the patient responsibility without doing any due diligence to, um, you know, justify a, a legitimate financial hardship um, or misleading them in some form or fashion before they came into the center because they just wanted the, the admission to come in knowing that the insurance company was, you know, going to be more than taking care of the, you know, what they needed financially to be plenty profitable. Um, that's obviously changed, as we all know, in, in the last few years where insurance reimbursements are, are paying pennies on the dollar. So, I mean, at, at this day and age, this money is, is crucial to a treatment center to be able to operate effectively and efficiently. Um, and now you compound that with the fact that insurance companies are, are starting to enforce the fact that, I mean, for as long as this has been going on, it's been a blatant violation. It's it's technically insurance fraud to go ahead and, and as a matter of practice, uh, waive those patient responsibilities. I, I believe the way it's, uh, it goes is the treatment center doing that is also supposed to offer the same discount to the insurance company, which, of course, none of them, none of them are. So... Um, you know, at, at this day and age, if you want to continue operating under your business model of, you know, primarily relying on insurance reimbursement, you almost have to have um, 
either a company like us or in some form or fashion a, a way of uh, making exhaustive efforts to collect patient responsibility. Uh, you know, who, who in their right mind would want to risk uh, a plenty profitable and, and um, effectively running business because they're just going to turn a blind eye to collecting these these type of monies. Um, I would say we, we make this, in addition to keeping centers in, in compliance, we make it very profitable for them. Um, I would say our clients, it's probably about a 50-50 mix as far as, you know, what motivated them more um, to seek us out and, and to have us get started with them, whether it was a compliance perspective or a profitability perspective um, but it's you know th this day and age insurance companies are now um, I, I know for a fact making uh, phone calls to call centers you know posing as a potential patient to see if the treatment center does relay the correct benefits to them there's also third-party organizations um, you know that that have to do with regulating uh, who's allowed to advertise on Google and um, also you know uh, doing tactics like that to try to expose you know the the players in the industry that are cutting corners or just blatantly breaking the law so it's it's a it's a big problem and you know for a, a place that wants to remain compliant um, you know and, and remain in best practices it, it's something that they absolutely have to be doing yeah I mean what kind of cracks me up when we're dealing with treatment centers that have concerns around this is they're you know they're worried about losing patients and stuff like that but the amount of work and the effort and the systems that they have in place to try to figure out, you know, what the patient responsibility is and how much they're going to make and if it's going to be profitable for them, where all you really need to do is have a very simple system in place for collecting patient responsibility. Um, and it eliminates all these headaches, it eliminates all these extra steps, it eliminates all this risk, right? Um, all you got to do is collect. So can you speak to that a little bit? I mean, We've seen it really consistently with either clients of ours that have used services like yours or they just do it on their own where they collect the patient responsibility and there's no problem. They're more profitable. They're not having problems, you know, necessarily collecting that once the systems are set up and the communication is done right. Um, but, you know, can you speak to that fear that they're going to lose patients or that patients are not going to be able to come in because they can't afford the responsibility component? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, one of, if not the biggest fear of, you know, most potential clients of ours is that in um, addressing these responsibilities, they're either going to scare a patient away so they'll never come into treatment or cause the patient or their, their family to, you know, pull them, leave treatment earlier, um, which, you know, uh, to, with our company, it doesn't happen. Um, we've perfected the it's really it's an art of um, effectively communicating these responsibilities but the way that we go about it, it it's not a traditional type of collection call it's not a threatening arm twisting type of collection call it's it's more upselling the treatment center who we're representing um, you know kind of running through the insurance benefits so that um, the party that we're speaking with has a pretty good understanding of about how long they could expect their loved one to remain in treatment, um, the process on how that length of stay 
is derived with the insurance company, and then attempting to to collect um, you know the, the patient responsibility that's going to be incurred throughout the treatment process. Now, I mean, we we've never never caused a, a patient to leave treatment. That's always the big fear of, of treatment centers because if this is done improperly, it will happen, and it does happen. Um, you know, we've we've probably have between a half dozen to a dozen clients that we initially spoke with about our service and decided, you know, that they were going to try to kind of implement some of the ideas that we, for, you know, gave them um, and and do it themselves. And it was a disaster because if it's not done, for, for example, we do a lot of research on anybody that we're going to reach out to before we pick up the phone. Um, we like to know as much about their financial health health as possible. We like to know, you know, the nature of their relationship with uh, the patient. If it's a parent, um, you know, sometimes they can have a very close relationship. Other times it's, um, you know, it's been shattered. Um, oftentimes, you know, the client might have been in treatment five, ten, you know, more times in the past. So that relationship starts to wear. And approaching it effectively on a case-by-case basis makes a huge difference. Um, and really what preempts the it's not so much asking somebody for their responsibility that would upset them and and cause them to maybe leave treatment it's really it it predates our involvement in the case in that they might have been told um, on the way in that they weren't going to have this responsibility or led to believe that they weren't going to have to pay it Um, that type of stuff is generally what's going to rub somebody the wrong way and and cause them to to want to leave treatment because of this type of stuff. Um, So we, our our company, we do a very thorough onboarding and orientation with any treatment center before we begin servicing them. Um, Kind of going over verbiage with their admission staff on, you know, say X, Y, and Z, that'll keep you in compliance. It'll also keep the door open for collection attempts and do not say A, B, and C because number one, it's either illegal, unethical, and it's going to cause problems down the road in that um, problems in many areas, it's obviously going to affect collections if uh, negatively affect collections if somebody's told they don't have to pay something before treatment. Um, you know, sometimes we can turn that around, but you're starting at a big deficit. And then it's going to cause, you know, some issues perhaps at the facility as well. Um, you might have, you know, a patient get upset and uh, where if he was told that something wasn't going to have to be paid prior to admission and then suddenly, you know, is being asked for it, of course, that's going to, you know, upset people. So it, 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 you know, then filters down into the clinical end of things. So it, it makes it it makes it a disaster all around. Um, we work with the centers and, you know, continuously throughout the throughout the entire process. It's an ongoing thing. You know, if something comes up, we address it with the admissions department, continue to dial stuff in. So we really don't run into uh, many, if any, issues like that because we preempt it on the front end with what we do with our onboarding and orientation and then, you know, continuously um, essentially giving out free consulting advice that uh, not only has been shown to really boost collections. Um, I mean, some places that we're trying to pursue 
these type of collections before we came along um, that did a quasi-effective job of it. You know, we'll increase their their total collections by 300, 400%. Other places that really were just not addressing this in any form or fashion, I mean, we, we, we can end up with a 10, 20-fold increase um, over what they were what they were collecting prior to our inception. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something that if it's done correctly, um, you're not going to be causing people to, to leave treatment or to not come in for treatment. Um, but if it's done ineffectively, yeah, it can, it can be a real disaster. Yeah, it's just one of the myths in the field, right? I mean, addiction treatment, especially from the business end, has so many myths about what works and what doesn't. And there's this myth out there that if you collect the patient portion, like they're not going to come in. I mean, what other health care do we have where you don't pay a deductible, right? Like everyone knows that they have to pay the deductible. It's completely normal. So when you tell people that they have to do that, they're like, well, yeah, I always have to do that. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. We say that all the time. I mean, you know, what other field? Anytime I go to use my insurance, <laughs> and this is actually part that's in our, our training manual, I mean, a lot of, I don't even get buzzed into the waiting room until they process my copay. Right. So it's, uh, right. It, it's you know, it's becoming commonplace in, in healthcare. But I, I would um, say that where, where this field is so different, if um, prior to the patient's arrival, if, you know, if, if, a, if a center pursues or beats them up for money, um, it can negatively affect admissions in a, in a pretty substantial fashion in that um, you, you have a lot, let, let's say you're talking to the potential patient, he's 24 years old and, you know, the, the call center staff, um, you know, says, hey, listen, you know, you have a $5,000 deductible and then $5,000 uh, out of pocket, so it's a total of $10,000, we need to have that paid. Uh, you know, th some people are not going to speak up and say, well, geez, you know, I, I don't um, I, I don't have the ability to take care of that at this point. Um, instead, what they do is they'll tell you, OK, yeah, let me let me look into my finances and I'll, I'll get back in touch with you. And instead of doing that, they never take your call again. They never call you back they pick up the phone to the next place down the road that's not that, you know not pushing for it um before the patient's even entered into treatment and they end up going to to that place um you know that that place might end up being a client of ours we then may be able to have the patient sign a release for his parent a week into treatment and, and collect all ten thousand of that for that center as well um so we've actually found that with our centers that are primarily filling their beds uh, through a call center, that with um, the advice that we give throughout our onboarding and orientation process, they've seen at least a 25% increase in month-over-month -month admissions off of the same marketing spend um, just by changing the focus of the way that they go about pursuing those collections. For example, you know, Let's say um, you're in Indiana and you're calling a treatment center in California for your son. Um, and next thing you know, you know you're being asked to pay ten thousand dollars sight unseen. Your, your son hasn't arrived there. Um, you, you know, let's say this is your first time looking for a treatment center. You don't know anything about that place on the other end of the country, so that's a pretty big leap of faith to take before your son even gets on an airplane to, to go to treatment. Versus, um, you know the the way that we go about it, we typically will reach out about a week or so in, into treatment 
Um, at that point, they've heard from their son or daughter. They've spoken to his therapist. They know that they're in a good quality center. They know that they're getting good care. They've probably been able to sleep a few solid nights sleep for the first time in, in God knows how long. Um, so they're more adept and more apt at that time to take care of those responsibilities after they know that their, you know, their son or daughter or loved one is, is in a good quality treatment center getting good care. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think it always comes back, like when we do the business development or the call center training, it's just about setting expectations and people understanding that this is what needs to happen. And I think, well, I don't think I know. I mean, for what we've seen with parents and with loved ones, even on things when you're trying to extend levels of care, right? Everyone knows that insurance doesn't offer, we cover what we want it to cover, right? And a lot of people get angry about that. So it's not a strange conversation to go, hey, look, you know, on your policy, we think you're only going to get 10 days of PHP, but based on our assessment and our experience, you're probably going to need at least 20 for your son. So let's have this conversation about extending, you know, and, and you guys covering the difference when it gets to that point, but being upfront with those conversations rather than, you know, submitting balance billing after the fact and then making them really angry and you get a bad reputation and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, you know, the, one avenue that we have where we produce. I mean, you know, some centers that we get involved with might have been, um, you know, casually collecting a deductible or an out-of-pocket from time to time. But a whole nother uh, bucket of collections that we provide for our, our clients is we are all-stars at converting a patient whose insurance is denying a particular level of care or all levels of care um, into a quasi self-pay at that point. Um, you know, having the, you know, if it's mom, dad, uh, the patient, spouse, um, pay essentially the, the private pay rate, um, and that money's applied toward the days that the insurance is denying to ensure that the patient gets the, you know, the clinically recommended length of stay at the appropriate level of care, not having to, in the scenario that you laid out, step them down to IOP after 10 days when clinically, you know, the, the therapist feels strongly that the patient needs a month of PHP. Um, so what we do, um, you know, we, we have other scripted calls that sell the insurance companies for the SOBs that they are and, you know, let the, the party know that the last thing your insurance company is actually concerned with is your well-being. What they're concerned with is minimizing their financial exposure to your claim, which is, it, it's an injustice because, you know, I've said this for a long time, uh, if an insurance company really wanted to effectively control their costs, they'd be much better served by delivering that patient on their first treatment the appropriate length of stay rather than cutting it short. And next thing you know, the patient's out of treatment two months too soon, and then they're back in detox two weeks later. It's... Um, it, it blows my mind that, you know, that no insurance company has even thought about looking at it from that type of perspective. But um, 
It's 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 a very big avenue that you know uh, a treatment center can number one provide the best possible care for their patient because they're able to keep them in the higher level of care that's you know clinically recommended, and number two they don't have to do it either for free or you know some treatment centers will accept an IOP level of care but treat the patient at a PHP level of care which you know is can can touch upon being out of bounds and also you know is is going to cause you to take less reimbursement than what you're actually delivering and, and what you're entitled to. Right. And what I think a lot of treatment centers don't realize is that you're shooting yourself and the industry in the foot over the long term. Because what happens is they say, okay, well, I think I'm, I'm doing a favor for the client and I'm going to keep them at PHP, even though insurance is only paying for IOP. Well, what happens is you give them a higher level of care and a higher quality of care so that maybe it's more effective, right? And then the insurance companies are tracking all of that data. And they say, okay, well, we only gave them 10 days of PHP, but the clients are doing just as well as when we were giving them 20 days. So we don't need to you know, reimburse for 20 days. We can reimburse for 10 because that's what's working. So you're, you're not giving the insurance companies accurate data, which then allows them to reduce reimbursements and the lengths of stay. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You know, it's a circular effect. You do that and you essentially take it on the chin and next thing you know, then the 10 days becomes five days and, you know, now all of a sudden you've got you've to, you know, deliver PHP uh, for 30 days and only get paid for five days of it. It's and it, as we both know, I mean, and it, that's the way that insurance companies work. I mean, they're they're constantly looking to cut back on care. No insurance company is is profiting from delivering extra care. Right, right. So I want to go back to a comment that you made, where you know, when you guys are working with the call center teams um, for your clients, they're actually improving their conversion rates just off of some of the feedback that you're providing them. And what we've seen consistently when we're doing the business development rep and the call team training is that there's just very weak sales capabilities, right? Most of these sales reps are unfortunately trying to sell the fact that treatment is free and you're not going to pay anything. I mean, you just have a bad sales team. If you can't sell your product, you have a bad sales team, you have bad training in place, and that needs to be fixed. Um, can you comment on you know your experience working with the call teams and how you've seen them improve just by upping their sales skills on the phone? Yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, to cut through it, most people aren't comfortable discussing money and, and asking for money. Um, it's one of the big challenges we face in, in staffing our company is that, you know, it takes a particular individual to do it effectively. Uh, and, and when I say effectively, I don't mean, you know, the opposite end of it and just hammering the money either because no one wants to get beat to death. So it has to be done in a skillfully and, and tactical fashion. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you see this a lot, um, and I'm sure you do too, with the call centers you're working with when it comes to a, a private pay admission. Uh, you know, if a place's uh, private pay rate is uh, $30,000 for a month's worth of treatment, that that sales rep on the phone, it's, I mean, it's like pulling teeth to get them to explain the price and then to <laughs> 
it's right, almost right. like they start, you know, w- without saying it, they almost start saying it's, it's not worth it as opposed to somebody that's comfortable with it explaining the price and why it is that you're getting, you know, the value of a lifetime out of a $30,000 treatment, explaining the different modalities of treatment that are going to be involved with their, you know, what they're paying for, you know, explaining the, um, the, the level of education that's required in order for a therapist to be hired with that center, um, you know, explaining their accreditations, how long they've been in business for, their success rates. You have to build value in it. Um, you know, I, I have a sales background. A lot of, um, you know, what we see in treatment center call call rooms, uh, you know, some people come from sales backgrounds. Others, you know, um, are more exposed to the recovery side of things. And not to say that that can't work, but, uh, you know, I, I always think that, you know, you, you go out and you get somebody from the sales world, you know, a good trainer, and, and you bring them in and you, you train them on sales, you know, treatment removed just on, you know, value proposition and, and things along those lines. It's uh, most people are, are very uncomfortable asking for money. And like you said, the whole pitch that a lot of them use when it's an insurance patient is, oh, you know, this... Some might come right out and say it. Some might, you know, allude to it that you know this isn't going to cost you anything. Or rather than you know selling it from the other perspective, in that you're coming to a great quality treatment center that's going to deliver all these different you know facets of care and a comprehensive treatment plan for you. And you know we we've got step down levels of care, and you know you're going to get an aftercare plan to make sure that your transition back home or wherever you go from treatment is a smooth one. Um, you know all, all the different selling points that a quality treatment center has. Right. I mean, that's exactly it. Your treatment center and the value of your treatment center is the quality of your clinical program, 100%. I mean, I just finished up four interviews with patients at the current treatment center that we're working with, and three out of the four, their primary concern and what they were looking for in a treatment center when they compared facilities was the quality of the clinical care and the quality of the therapist. I mean, that's what people want. So you have this huge disconnect between what the outreach team is pitching and what people are actually looking for in the program. And if you're clinical, sorry, not clinical, but if your outreach team or your call center team is not convinced of the quality of your clinical program, if they don't understand why that's worth $30,000 or $20,000 or whatever you're charging, then there's a huge issue there because you have not instilled in your team that you deliver quality treatment and they don't believe that value is there. And if they don't believe that value is there, there's no way in hell they're going to be able to convince someone else that that value is there, you know? Yeah, and, and it's almost at that point it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If the if the outreach person isn't selling the isn't hitting the right selling points, they're not highlighting the fact that the center you know offers EMDR, offers neurobiofeedback, offers you know uh, uh, chiropractic services, whatever whatever type of services they're offering. But instead they sell like uh, you know oh, you're, you're going to be on a beach and uh, you know we've got a nice swimming pool and. Then all of a sudden you end up with clients that are not there for the perhaps the the right reasons at that particular treatment center. The clinical staff then gets they they get bogged down and they get sick of you know clients coming in that aren't necessarily there for their particular clinical services, and they end up leaving. They end up going to a place that is effectively marketing their program to match the clinical services that they're delivering, and then you end up with clinicians that you know. Are are not the best quality and, you know, are not delivering that same quality of care. And, and suddenly what the outreach department was selling is the 
the crappy clinical program that you're putting forth. Right, right, exactly. I mean, there's a big difference between the treatment center hoppers that are just using their insurance as like a credit card and the people that are really looking for treatment. And as a treatment center and a quality provider, you want the people that are looking for treatment. You know, and I think it comes down to the referral network that you have too. I mean, referral partners, when you're talking about professionals, social workers, DUI attorneys, clinicians, psychotherapists, right? They want to know you have a good clinical program. So if your outreach trap comes in and, and tells me that you guys have a pool, I'm like, I don't want to work with that treatment center because they're they clearly don't seem to have any clinical advantages, right? They have a pool. Who cares? So it's just the the industry, you know, relied so long um, on kind of pitching services for cheap or you know marketing to other marketers and talking to other rehabs, and it was this tit for tat thing that just is it was a horrible idea and it doesn't work anymore. Um, when you have to really go out there and do the job, when you have to be really good at what you do, it, it's a very different style of outreach. Um, different conversations are happening and there needs to be different training in place. You know, you have to understand what your clinical value is. Some programs don't have that. Some programs don't even really know what they stand for or what their differentiators are. Um, and if you don't, you've got to start there, right? You've got to get the team on board. So the clinical staff has standardization and consistency, and then that's communicated to the call team and that's communicated to the outreach team. Um, and then eventually you're going to have a very happy center with a full census. Um, so anyway, kind of going off on my own little rant here, but so on your end with the, um, patient, responsibility component. I'm just kind of curious, you know, if you're willing to share numbers, like what percent of patients are usually willing to pay the patient responsibility, you know, in your experience? It's, um, to, to answer that question appropriately, it, it's, it's a big variance center to center. Um, you know, we, we, we service some centers that have a much higher, um, percentage of, of patients that are on, not on their first treatment, not on their second treatment, on their fifth, 10th, 15th, 20th treatment. And of course, you know, on, on a, a center that primarily has a lot of uh, repeat clients, collections are, are going to be, you know, for the large part lower than a center that's bringing in organic admissions, you know, first time, second time, third time treatments, or, you know, not somebody that's been in treatment uh, four times already in 2019. So um, some centers that we have can literally perform about 8x, eight times more than a center that's bringing in the same amount of admissions, offering the same levels of care all dependent upon how it is that they're going about filling their beds. Um, you know, are, are they getting referrals from a DUI attorney? Are they getting, you know, professional referrals from a therapist that's seeing somebody in private practice and, you know, seeing them spiral worse and worse and recommending inpatient care? Or do they just have, you know, some, uh, business development rep that rides around a skateboard looking for, you know, somebody that's walking down the street pulling their suitcases behind them that just left another treatment center and, you know, brings them in. Um, so, uh, you know, some, some centers that we uh, work with have a, you know, a real high degree of, of organic uh, referrals. Um, you know, so, some centers we, we will, as far I, I believe you, you asked what, like what percentage of patients will contribute toward their, um, toward their patient responsibility. You know, some centers will see it as high as about uh, maybe 75, 80%. Um, and then other centers, um, you know, if, if they're filled with, you know, people that have been in and out of treatment, um, you know, it, it can be substantially lower than that. However, um, you know, we pull money 
for every center that that we work with. Um, I, I, I'm very upfront with you know a center that's primarily filling with with repeat admissions that in all likelihood collections are going to be substantially lower than you know if if they were um, running a call center or you know bringing in you know true uh, professional business development type of, of referrals. Um, but we we can you know make it work as best as possible for for any center out there. It's just it's obviously going to flow based upon you know the type of referrals that you're you're bringing in and then how those referrals are ultimately handled prior to admission are they being told that insurance is going to cover a hundred percent of their treatment if so that's going to obviously cut our legs out um, or are they being told that you know they, they have coverage for all levels of care that's going to keep the door a lot more open um, so it, it, it's to, to answer the question it, it's a very big difference center to center depending upon primarily how it is that those referrals come about. Yeah. I think the bottom line is, you know, most programs, if they're not collecting the patient responsibility, are literally leaving tens of thousands of dollars a month on the table. And, you know, as you said in your experience, sometimes millions of dollars a year, right, are being left on the table because they're not doing this. Yeah, at, at a bare minimum. Um, I mean, so where where I kind of cut my teeth with this and, and got started, they were bringing in um, about 300 admissions a month. And uh, for a little over two years while they were at their peak, we exceeded $10 million a year strictly in, in patient responsibility. Um, so th there's money out there. And, and this is, you know, this is um, a place that – their call center was like the Wild West. Um, you know, they, they, let's put it like this. They were not on the beach, but in my time working there, I saw several people show up with scuba equipment, flew in with scuba equipment because they were told that they were on the beach. They were told they had jet skis. They didn't have jet skis. They were told that their deductibles and their out-of-pockets were going to be waived or were non-existent when they weren't. Um, so, you know, we, we overcame that. We didn't lose a patient there either. Um, you know, we, we can walk things back. I'll tell you this. So we, we do a, a, an exhaustive amount of research on anybody we're going to reach out to before we get on the phone. Um, you know, a lot of times that research is going to tell us about their financial health, but a lot of times, you know, it, it might indicate that somebody doesn't have the means. We still go about our process just the same in either scenario. We're, we're going to ask them to take care of the responsibility. If they tell us that they they can't, you know, then we can walk things back in a compliant manner um, that, you know, delivers a message that, you know, we'll, we'll work with them based upon what they can afford, but, you know, so that they're not going to, you know, even, even think about pulling their son or daughter from treatment, but I can't can't tell you how many times I reached out to somebody, had done my research, and in my head I'm saying there's no chance in hell that they're going to be able to pay this $10,000. And it just turns out that the person lives below their means. You know, they were more than happy to, to take care of the responsibility. So you, you really you can't judge a, a book by its cover. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I instill in, in all the guys that work for me is that you have to go about this process effectively. If, if you go about it effectively, then it's always going to work appropriately. But if you start to do the research and it, it looks like it's not the best, um, the best file, and then you, you just kind of you give them a half-assed type of uh, performance, then you end up with half-assed type of results. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's important to remember that you, you want people in recovery to have skin in the game, right? I mean, if I've got some money invested, uh, even if the family's got money invested, we're much more likely to take that treatment very seriously than if we didn't pay anything. I mean, that's just people are people. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's um, it can help, uh, you know, some, some scenarios, um, a family might help with half of the responsibility, and then we might set the patient up, um, you know, for, for payments on the other half. Um, and like you said, it, it does get some skin in the game for them. Um, you know, it, uh, and, and in doing so, you know, maybe they think twice when they're at the halfway house two months later, and their roommate, you know, offers them to, to go out to the bar that night or, you know, to go get high. Maybe they start, you know, maybe that's the thing that, you know, pops in their head. Like, geez, I've spent a thousand dollars over the past two months on these payments. I don't, I don't want that to be for nothing. So if, you know, if that's what gets that person to, you know, snap out of that and go to a meeting instead of going to the bar, then it's done its job. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then obviously you're helping out with that financial hardship end of things to really establish it. So that reduces a lot of the liability if there ever was an audit or a clawback, you know, so I think there's advantage there. And then I think you guys and you guys don't charge like a flat fee or anything. It's like a percent of amount collected is, is your fee. So there's really no upfront cost of the center. Is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. There's there's no upfront cost. There's no cancellation fee. Um, we work strictly on a contingency basis. We, we we actually don't get involved with qualifying the legitimate financial hardships because of that. Um, where we work strictly on a contingency basis, um, that that's not something that that we get into. But I mean, we leave. Uh, First of all, we make exhaustive efforts to collect those funds. Um, if any of our clients have ever been um, put on any type of review, they've always come out with flying colors. Um, because not only are we documenting the attempt, the attempts, um, we're leaving notes inside of the EMR or the CRM. Um, we're placing the phone calls. We're, we're at the end of the day, we're getting a lot of this money paid so anybody that's reviewed or audited can produce a great deal of cash collections to show the insurance company then they can take it a step further and show the documented attempts on each and everybody that came through the doors that had some patient responsibility to to, to pay um, so they can show in there, you know, hey, this person couldn't pay because they haven't worked in six months um, and their family couldn't help because, you know, they're living on SSDI or, or whatever the case would be. Um, it's actually how I came to um, find uh, my business partners. They owned a tre another treatment center down here in uh, South Florida that they've subsequently sold. Um, but they were under an audit from Cigna and, uh, you know, wanted to make make sure that they came through cor correctly and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that they were maintaining compliance and also wanted to open up this revenue stream. Um, so they found me through a headhunter, uh, went to work with them, and then after they sold their center, we, we put this business together because we knew that, you know, there's a need for this in just about every treatment center across the country. Um, number one, to keep them in compliance, and then number two, be with the way that insurance reimbursements are, are getting choked out, I mean, the treatment centers need this revenue stream in order to be able to effectively operate and deliver the quality of care that the patients deserve. And you guys also help with the pay-to-patient states as well, right? 
Correct. Yeah, we're, we're very, um, I mean, we, we have a smooth and efficient process for tracking down almost every pay-to-patient check that goes out, with the exception of, uh, you know, we, we have seen um, patients that uh, you can pretty much um, not even assume, but th- they're going to treatment to get those checks. Um, we have enough clients that, you know, we might see them in somebody's center one month and then two months later they're in the next center um off you know we, we've seen teams that do it where the parent is the subscriber and it's sick it's just a parent is you know sometimes the the patients have complained that the parent is you know actually getting them the the drugs to give them the criteria to come back into treatment so that they can get these checks and it, it's it's just a a terrible terrible cycle um i mean in, in reality you know for our company um you know Tracking down pay-to-patient checks is a is a stream of revenue, but in in reality, I mean the fact that insurance companies pay the patient or pay the member as a pro, as opposed to the provider only on an out-of-network basis, it's egregious. They do it, you know, strictly to deter an out-of-network center from accepting those benefits. And what's the end result? A patient that's, you know, been in treatment, battling his heroin addiction, goes home, opens up the mailbox, and there's $50,000 in checks made payable to him. I mean, God knows how many how many people have, have died as a result. Yeah, yeah. Well, TJ, excellent information. Really appreciate it. You know, I think this is an important topic for a lot of treatment centers to understand, uh, especially as, you know, so many are really struggling financially right now. Any final thoughts that you want to add? Yeah, you know, um, so the the revenue solution, you know, we can service treatment centers, both large and small. Um, You know, we we have clients that have, you know, six, seven, eight centers across the country bringing in 300 plus admissions a month. And then we have smaller boutique centers that, you know, maybe are only doing 10 or 20 admissions a month. Um, We can we can work with clients of all sizes, you know, for the smaller places um, to it's it's really not even cost effective for them to think about having an internal staff member do this because you know you've you got to pay that person a salary um, you then have to incentivize them in order for them to properly make sure that they're you know collecting as much money as they can um, you know and, and when you're only getting you know say 10 admissions a month 20 admissions a month I mean that's that's not a full-time job so it's you know the big cost that you'd have to lay out um, just to hopefully have the person maybe cover their salary um, so it, it's you know much more cost effective to enlist a service like that just from the the perspective that you're not going to have to pay a salary but beyond that um, the way that we go about our process I mean we're gonna bring in two three four five times as many collections as the next best replacement to us so even after we take our slice out the treatment center as a whole has a much bigger pizza left on the table um, from from the way that we go about our process and in addition to that I mean they're going to see an uptick in admissions from the advice that we're going to be giving them on, on how to approach the the patient responsibility um, so you know anybody that's interested in, in reaching out to us the name of our company is the revenue solution our website is the revenue solution.com it's a T-H-E, the word the 
revenuesolutionsingular.com. Um, anybody that would like more information about our service can reach out to us at 844-314-8867 or email us at info at com. All right. Thanks, TJ. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I think really great information for all the programs out there that are looking at these kind of things and looking at different ways to um, maintain financial solvency. Uh, appreciate your time. And as always, this is the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm Nick Jaworski, your host, uh, owner of Circle Social Inc. And you can find this podcast anywhere where podcasts are found. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys next time.